there's this Purim. And uh, if you turn on the internet and see what was happening yesterday in Jerusalem, I mean, a lot of rabbis just wear the most weirdest clothes, and it's like a season of laughter and joy and making fun of the devil, that he is defeated, and Jesus, and we add, Jesus is Lord. So we have uh, the, I have these, I call Hamantashen. Say Hamantashen. Means Haman's hats. So it, we will, each of you will get, I believe, your own Hamantashen. So don't attack your wife and take it from her. You will get your own Hamantashen. Uh, and we want to say that it's amazing how God uses one individual, whether they are man or woman, doesn't matter. And so we, in the Bible, has many wonderful men who turned out to be anointed in leadership mantles. But also, Esther is one of the types. Of course, there are before. There's Deborah, there are... Um, those who follow Jesus. Um, that's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who got the word of the Messiah coming. So among those heroes is Queen Esther. And this takes place. The incident of what we talk about of Purim is an example. We, whatever, I, I love some of the stories. I love uh, the st story of Nineveh and how it went on a 40-day fast. So this there are several things that stand out for me and Esther. And one of them, of course, uh, we're known for the, the hidden power of prayer and fasting is one of the considered one of the major bestsellers in the Christian world. And uh, there are 40 languages. It's printed more, and it's going on more. I just got a news. There's a lot, but many of them translate and publish on their own that never refer to us. So there are more than 40 languages out there that has the, the fact, the truth that God answers our prayer and fasting majorly. And this is one of those examples. So uh, it was 500, 500 years before the birth of the Messiah. So it's 2,500 years from here right now in this period. This happened, but it's almost like it happened yesterday. It's so real. So, Bon, you have some words about Esther? Yeah, I'm, you know, first of all, just in the theme this morning in the presence of the Lord through the worship, um, I appreciate the, the theme about the Lord has done great things, but also that what the enemy meant for evil, he turned it for good. And that actually comes from the story of Joseph in Genesis 50, where Joseph has gone through this incredibly challenging season. Uh, first of all, being 
from going, being completely favored by his father to being rejected and sold, actually, by his own brother, sold into slavery. And then there's a whole progression of difficulties and, and humiliation and false accusation and betrayal and all sorts of things. But at every point, it says in scripture that the Lord was with him. So turn to somebody and say, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. And that is the amazing thing about the new covenant, that people are actually, we are born again, and then Christ comes to dwell in us and with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And that is why in every circumstance, in every season, we can celebrate the victory, regardless of what is happening, because we possess now the good ending of the big story. But... um. Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 20, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day and save many people alive. And that certainly is the story of Esther and the deliverance of Purim. And it's interesting that Purim season just precipitates the time of Passover, the ultimate deliverance for the human race. Because Passover was the foreshadowing of what would be fulfilled in Jesus when he came as the Lamb of God. And so this story is certainly about taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it into good. And so, as you said, Pastor, 2,500 years later, the Jewish people in Jerusalem, in Israel, and around the world this year, this past week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, were celebrating this ancient story of the deliverance of God that came through the obedience of a woman who was willing to put her life on the line. And so Esther, in a unique way, typifies Christ as the Savior Redeemer come to lay down his life. We know in her story that Mordecai, who is a type of the Holy Spirit, who is speaking to her the way to go in this difficult period, giving her wisdom, guiding her into this unique place where she becomes in real world history a literal linchpin of world events with God focusing on his people Israel and the plan that he has for them and so we find Esther she was number one from a despised minority she was orphaned she was living in exile and she was a female so potentially everything put her on the lowest rung of the ladder and this is one of the things that we take wonderful inspiration from God's redemptive story because he takes the lowest and raises us to the highest place in him. And as, as these unusual events began to unfold in the story of Esther, in real world history, this was a time where the king that, that was ruling, um, that did the wine feast and all of that. It was a great, it was a season of tremendous political intrigue. And King Artaxerxes, whatever, he's got three different names. But he was, uh, by historical accounts, Herodotus and other uh, historians, 
um, have records of some of the terrible things that he did. He would have fits of temper. Uh, he was infamous for unusual and cruel tortures, torture, uh, tortures of his enemies and political prisoners. So we have highly romanticized this story of Esther and sort of put it into the ultimate Cinderella story. But it was a difficult time of political intrigue, and it was very dangerous. Uh, and so when Mordecai uh, hears what has happened during this wine feast, that Vashti has been um, exiled, basically, and they're seeking replacements, additions to the king's harem and a potential replacement um, as the king, Mordecai in, instructs Esther to get in that beauty contest, basically. And so you can imagine from the very beginning, she really began to sacrifice and put herself on the line in faith and obedience. And her courage grew as Mordecai was there to continue to give her advice and wisdom, and she obeyed. And so there are many things about Esther that coming from a very uh, simple and humble and um, ignoble, if you want, background. The same with Jesus. The king of kings was born to the lowest rank in the Jewish society and in the context of the Roman rule that was oppressing Israel at that time, the lowest uh, group of people, the Jewish people. And here comes Jesus out of Nazareth, a nowhere town that was poor from the poorest of poor parents. And then with, you know, last week, I know, Pastor, we're continuing with the Apostles' Creed, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin. Well, we, we exalt in the Christmas story, but in the actual time of Jesus, he would have been considered an illegitimate child. That smear would have been on his family forever. And in the Gospels, where it talks many times about Jesus of Nazareth, we think of it as some wonderful elevated thing, but actually in that time, to use that phrase was referring back to this scandal of this poor family and this loose woman and who knows who the father was and this guy named Jesus, you know, assuming to be Israel's Messiah. It's an offense. And so, again, the story of Esther about taking the, the hidden ones, the humble ones, the poor ones, and literally through God's redemption plan, making them the center of epic events in the world. And this was a time, that wine feast was a three-year diplomatic and political campaign by King Ataxerxes. I can't say it. It's like Deuteronomy. The king? Ataxerxes. Or I'll just say Xerxes one. So this was a three-year campaign. He, was, he had been incited to go and fight the Greeks because they had defeated his father in the Battle of Marathon. This is real-world history that this story of the Bible uh, drops into. 
And so he was on this campaign to build this massive, massive army and navy. And that's what the wine feasts were about, where he was bringing all these provincial leaders and lavishing gifts on them and having these, you know, big, essential drunken parties. But it was part of the custom of the Medes and Persians that they would make laws and make covenants and cut covenants during those feasts. So this is what was going on. And many of us have heard of the famous Battle of Thermopylae, the battle at the hot gates where this king's massive, massive navy and army was sent into battle. The famous story of the 300 Spartans. This is happening at the time that Esther comes into her place as the queen. And so she, she comes in and God intervenes in the history of the Jews when genocide, a literal holocaust, was planned by uh, an, an Agagite, Haman. He was a descendant of Agag, and they had a like a blood feud against the Jews. So you see that river of anti-Semitism that is there that has continued down through history. It's the spirit of Antichrist that also hates you. In John's Revelation, it says that the dragon spewed out of his mouth this river of lies and accusations over the earth in an attempt to take out the covenant people of God. And so, again, we see throughout her story that what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around, and he was doing it in the midst of some of the great political intrigue and world war that was occurring at that time. So Esther uh, ends up in the, in the harem. She goes through a whole year of being schooled for one night with the king. And again, we can think of it as very romantic, but frankly, I wish, I'll just tell you, I don't think of it as romantic. Given what the circumstance was and who this guy was, basically, she was being groomed to be his, you know, uh, bedchamber mate for one night. And you have to wonder what was going through her mind going in to that night and then coming out in the morning and going back to the harem. This was a little Jewish girl, a Jewish, young Jewish woman. And in the Jewish tradition, everything that had just happened would have violated everything, every bit of her identity. And that just shows the degree of obedience and sacrifice that is on display here again. Oh, by the way, I just want to mention, there are certain people who are starring in this story. And we do need to mention another character named Haggai, who is the chief eunuch, if I can say it that way. But he really, God gives Esther the grace so that she becomes the favorite of this uh, eunuch who is put in charge of making the young ladies ready and they go through a beauty contest after one year I mean just you have to be patient he just says well you're going to have a what, what's today we call where makeover <laughs> she gets a makeover for a year Boy, it better be good. And the, well, she's still ugly. I mean, you know, that, there are no comments like that. But 
uh, Haggai was the one who would do extra things for Esther. He had a fatherly also anointing, seems like. So there were people whom God sent. Mordecai, of course, the chief counselor. But Haggai was <laughs> the other one who helped prepare Esther for becoming a queen. And I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the other themes of this story is favor. And that she found favor with the man who was in charge of all of these women. And it says that he gave her, you know, extra things for her and her maidens and all of that kind of stuff. And also the advice that all of the sacrifice that she was making would pay off. And indeed it did. So it's it's an inspirational story about deliverance. It's an inspirational story about God taking the humble, obedient, and literally using them in very significant ways to bring redemption and to fulfill God's plan. It's a story that manifests the favor of God. It's a story of deliverance. It's a story of turnaround. It's a story of great rejoicing. And one of the, the phrases in uh, Esther's story that I love is near the end where they rewrite the decrees. And in there, the king says to them, you can rewrite the decrees that were against you. Take it and write it in my name and seal it. Whatever, and I'll do whatever you write, whatever you ask. And that reminds me of what Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. And so it's, it's a story of answered prayer. And it's very fitting for the season that we live in. We're living in a, in a time of tremendous world turmoil, of uh, intense political intrigue, going on in every nation, and particularly we're uh, suffering the effects of it every single day in America. And the additional thing that I would like to add about this story, it's like it's an in-between. In the Jewish tradition, interestingly enough, they read Psalm 22 twice during the Purim celebration, and for Christians, Psalm 22 is the it's where we find phrases of what Jesus said when he was dying on the cross. So it is the ultimate redemptive psalm. And it's interesting to me that it, it is woven into the story of Purim. And it, Purim falls right before we come into Passover, where indeed Psalm 22 literally was fulfilled in Christ on Calvary for the whole cosmos. So we just, we just want to thank the Lord this morning and enter into the, the type of Christ and his redemption. And then a reflection of our lives being called in him, ex- exalted to the royal line, though we were orphans before. But he has received us and brought us into his royal line. And then, interestingly enough, Esther's influence continues on, not just for the redemption and deliverance of her people, but we find a few years later when Nehemiah comes to this same king asking to be released so that he can go back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple there. 
And he not only asked for a release to do it, but he asked the king to give him letters to uh, get supplies, the timber specifically, to rebuild the temple. So this was, this was a, a moment where Nehemiah could have lost his life. He was the cupbearer to the king, and he appeared before him with a sad countenance, which was a p potential death sentence. And as Nehemiah stands there, you read in this story how the favor of God is present and the king extends that golden scepter that he extended to Esther a few years before, extends that favor to grant Nehemiah's request. But in uh, the story in Ezra and in Nehemiah, it says there that when the king extended his favor to grant Nehemiah's request, the queen sat beside him. And that was Esther. So she continues to be in the middle of world history events because that, she was obedient. But uh, I mean, I'm just so impressed by this young lady. Who be, of course, she is the winner of the best, so one of the premier beauty contests because the representatives of the king go all over the empire to find the 400 best looking, you know, princesses, whoever, but uh, they're supposed to be stunningly beautiful. And Esther does not think she would ever win. She's so humble, and she's totally surprised when they come to a house and say, hello, you have won publishers <laughs> several million dollars, and now you can come to see the king. No, the Publishers Weekly was my made-up. Uh, but she has won, and then she comes up. But what I'm impressed by as a pastor, teacher of the word, is that who taught her some of these principles? Because she was an orphan. Of course, we can conjecture it was Mordecai. But she was a very young lady, and yet she hears this decree, the, the emperor. Has been manipulated by Haman. Say boo, say boo. Yeah. <laughs> Haman, I mean, he, he really boo. deserves <laughs> all the boos we can store for him. And by the way, one of the things that is a fun fact is that the king cannot go to sleep. So he has to go back, think of different incidents that have happened in his life. And I say, oopsie, we forgot to reward the person who warned us of this conspiracy that to kill me. Have we yet rewarded him? He said, no, well, let's do so. And then uh, Haman is asked, if I really <laughs> want to honor, yeah, uh, if I want to honor someone with the highest accolades, what should I do? And Haman, Haman <laughs> doesn't know yet that this is a trap for him. So he says, uh, put him on the rope, give him the robes of the king and let them <laughs> do, use the king's horse and go all around the city and extol this man. And it eventually, the kudos go to Mordecai. Yay! Yeah, Mordecai is the one. But in the midst of it then, but at the time the all this is going back and forth. 
Mordecai goes in mourning and wears mourning clothes, which is not legal to wear in the presence of the king unless you have valid reason for it. But as the king hears about this, he is mulling what he was going to do. And then the decree comes out. Kill. Basically, there's going to be an opportunity soon where the Babylon, I mean, the, the people of the Medo-Persian Empire could kill all the Jews, however many they could manage. And so Mordecai says, Yay. Esther is at the key place to yeah. be able to speak to the yeah. king. But you can't just wander into the king's presence. That that meant death, capital punishment. So she knows that and says, I want you to tell all the Jews, I am going to risk my life to go in front of the king. But I want some backing, in a sense. I'm putting in my words. I want all the Jews to fast and pray. And see, this is this principle, not too many people know that the amazing intensity of the spiritual forces here is, I mean, th multiple thousands of Jews. They're believers in the covenant. And they uh, have been praying and fasting. Three days. No food, no water. Now, if we are in intensely, I, the way I decided from the time we got together, the Lord had told us that this would happen, that we would be a church, but part of its uniqueness is that often it would be fasting and praying for 40 days or sometimes 21 days. And it does something to you. And that's just a by-the-way thing that if there are challenges before you, you, Lord, I don't know what to do. Well, one of the best things they can do is fast and pray. When we were given somewhat, basically, by the best kidney specialists in South Florida and the nation. We pretty much were told that Ben, our oldest, was we needed to release him to the Lord because he was going to die. And so at that time that Bonnie and I felt led to go on a 40-day fast, especially three of those days was without water. And, uh, but sometime during, the, during that time, we got by proof of x-ray that God had given a turnaround. And he will not die, but live and give praise to the Lord. So we have experienced this. But here it is the whole Jewish community in the empire and God turned it around. But I, I wanted to read uh, in Isaiah 58 as a reference for what Esther was thinking, what she was lo looking at the, this, I believe. Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 8 says this, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to lose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. 
So these are the things that are happening in the supernatural. And often the, the battles that we are winning, often like we already did two 40-day fasts this year as a community when we started this year and, well, the year before during the elections. Um, uh, it's not this to make, uh, and behold, you fast for strife and debate to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. This is the chosen fast. And so, it, and then it goes on. And the Lord, sorry, here, and that is not the, to deal with the bread, thy bread, to the hungry, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall bring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall come before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be your re-reward, means behind, at, the, at your back. Then shalt thou call his Lord. Then there is a certain time you ask in prayer, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. And if thou draw, draw thus thy soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as noonday. This is what God is doing during this time of prayer and fasting. So this was what back, was backing uh, Esther's prayer and how God supernaturally gave grace for that decree to turn be turned around. And in Esther chapter 4, Mordecai's words to her, because, I mean, you know, her, her will entered in to this um, moment, into this, this opportunity. Uh, it, it says they told Mordecai Esther's words where... Um, in, in, in chapter 4, it says, All the king's servants and people of the king's provinces know that whoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except those to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called, this is Esther speaking, I have not been called to come into the king for over a month. And they told Mordecai these words. And so Mordecai says to her, don't think that you shall escape because you're in the king's house more than all the Jews. But if you hold your peace at this time, then surely the Lord will raise up deliverance from another quarter. But you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows? And this is the one that we're all familiar with. Who knows but what you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And then Say, Esther, who knows? Esther says, if I perish. Who knows? Hang on. Is, who I knows? Perish, Perhaps I've come to the kingdom for such, such a, time a time as, as this. this. Can you agree with that? 
Amen. I think it's more and more clear with every season that passes for we who are alive and that are alive and remain that the hand of the Lord is on us for good and for light and salt in our world. The other thing I would add to that incident, Bob, is that she was like all of us. She had fear that if she didn't have favor, she would be executed by the king's decree. And so she asked the people to pray and fast for her. But realize this, that you're, you're not the only one. Often, especially in this kind of seasons where the world is going through so much confusion and yeah. attack, that uh, she would go at this time before the king. And the fear was speaking to her. And God's word to her, and I believe God's word to us then, is fear not. God was with her. Even though he doesn't say, the Holy Spirit was backing her up. But the word of the Lord for her and for us today, I believe, is fear not. Say fear not. Fear not. And it's not by accident that 360, there are 365 mentions of fear not in the Bible. One for every day. Fear not. Say fear not. Fear not. Tell your neighbor. Fear not, neighbor. Fear not. Hallelujah. So she says, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maidens will fast likewise. And I will go in to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so today, may the Lord give us a refreshing breath of courage to be obedient to the will and way and word of the Lord in this time. Each of us individually have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. And so, Lord, we pray that you in this season of Purim, as we prepare to enter into the Passover season, we take encouragement and a refreshing infilling of the Holy Spirit for wisdom and courage and favor from the Lord, that you would anoint us both to know and to speak and to do that which is pleasing in your sight in this hour. And we pray this. This is our prayer through the name of Jesus. And I just want to make a, a comment for American Christians right now. Your word and your presence is more important possibly than ever before in your lifetime. When we are being told that we are supposed to not just accept, but to celebrate things like the appointment of a transgender man to health and human services with the entire confused history there. You know the children's story about the emperor with no clothes, right? And it took a little child in the midst of the crowd on the street to say, hold on. Everybody is just, you know, saying, look at these wonderful garments and aren't they glorious and beautiful? And that king is marching down the street, tupo tupo, as they used to say in Africa, without a stitch on. And it took a little child to say, wait a minute, 
that guy's, what are you talking about? That's no clothes there. The, it has gone to the point of absurdity now. Yeah. And we are being told that we're not only supposed to accept it, we are supposed to celebrate it. And I want to give you a word of encouragement. Christians, you have the truth. The church is the ground and pillar of truth. And God forbid that we should give up the truth of God because of political pressure, for social acceptance, or adapting in any way the perverted virtue signaling that is going on in America now. I, for one, am standing up to say, nope, <laughs> this absurdity is absurd. And we stand for the Bible's principles, for the way and will of the Lord, and pray God anoint us with clarity and courage that you, Lord, would hear our prayer. And we pray today your will in heaven be done on earth in our nation, in our lives, in our family, and in our nation's government in Jesus' name. And I will say that America is, by its founding principles, the one nation, there isn't another one, that recognizes in its founding documents the ordination of God in terms of human beings created in his image, having therefore these inherent God-given human rights of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, which gives us our freedom of speech, our freedom to bear arms, so many things. No other nation has been established like this. And we are in a season now where we are being told that those things are actually evil. But we know that God has ordained good where the enemy has ordained evil. And we do believe that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so we pray for this current administration. We ask for an intervention. We pray that light would intervene into the darkness. We bind the spirit of witchcraft and Jezebel trying to subvert and uh, cause the truth to bow to the lie in the name of Jesus. We plead the power of the blood of Jesus and ask for a loosing of angels in this nation, in the life and family and work and way of every believer. And God, we are praying today for deliverance from all of the legislative restrictions. We're asking for intervention against this COVID plague. Lord, we're asking that you would create an economic turnaround. We're asking, Lord, that you would stop this ridiculous government spending. We make intercession for the middle class and the working man of woman. We ask that you would intervene and our schools would be open. We pray, Lord, turn back this plague of COVID, turn back the plague of darkness, turn back the plague of virtue signaling, cancel culture and political correctness, revive your church, stand us up on our feet. God, we ask for a spirit of, for the spirit of the Lord to be poured out in great revival and we give you the praise in advance. We know what the enemy meant for harm. You're turning it around.
Amen. Amen. That, that's, that's why we shared that this happened 2,500 years ago. But some of the principle, a lot of the they have not changed. And that we have to make a stand where we have to make a stand. Now, Esther was put in that position. Uh, and she became a hero. An amazing orphan girl, Jewish girl, who was, her parents were taken away by the affairs, by what happened to her. Her cousin, so older, Mordecai, took over. But praise God, God so put it together that a humble orphan girl was used instrumentally to bring salvation and rescue for all the Jews in that time frame in the Persian Empire. So we pray, as Bonnie has so beautifully shared certain things, some almost like the emperor's clothes, the, the child who says, I see nothing. <laughs> and may I we certainly know that he recognized there was no gender confusion there. Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Thank God that the word itself says male and female, he made them. There's no And potatoes are already gender neutral. Correct. <laughs> Amen. I remember the day, I mean, I'm, you know, old as dirt, but... Uh, Mr. Potato Head wasn't, it was, it was Potato Head, and um, you used a real potato. They, you, you bought these packages of all the stuff to stick on, right? And you used a real potato, and that apparently went on for a while, and, and people, you know, their kids were piling up rotten vegetables or something. And of all things, now, think about this. So the FDA intervenes in that scenario, this is true with the Mr. Potato Head thing. The FDA intervened. This is unsanitary. This is not right. Now, I'm just wondering, Hasbro, Mateo, Hasbro, I think it was. Uh, listen, their lobbyists were working overtime already because, because of the FDA's ruling, Hasbro introduced the plastic potato with all the little holes where you stick this stuff on, right? And... Um, it has gone forward from there. So, absurd. Absurd things are happening. This is a pur Purim is about the absurdity. It really is about calling out absurdity. So for me, this season, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm calling absurd on some of the stuff that is trying to be passed off to us as though it's some kind of moral virtue. Uh-uh. And... We conclude that despite all of that, as they stayed true to their principles, the Jewish people were brought out in victory. And traditionally, in the synagogue, this is the time where the rabbis have been collecting all year long and they tell the silliest of jokes. Because this is a festival of joy. Purim is about good news. 
about God caring for his people and delivering them. So this mighty Savior and God, the God of Purim, who did this great mighty turnaround, it was a reversal anointed by the living God who rescued his people. So once again, we looked to the living God. We look to the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that in the midst of this give supernatural answers, we pray. And those who mean harm, let them be confused in the name of Jesus. We want to get be stronger and stronger. We are not going to be separated. The closer we are to each other, the more we say, I'm here backing you up. And uh, we are one in that. Looking to God as our example, looking to the Word of God as our solution. That we are in a time of battle, yes. But God is up to something and He's giving each of you, giving our families victory, giving your children confirmation and victory in the midst of Amen. the people who are saying, well, now that you are one year old, you need to know whether you are male or female. It's all really craziness. But we need to stand firm and keep our humor. That part of the thing of the rabbis yep. dressing up yep. in the weirdest crazy clothing and telling the weirdest jokes. It's just so that they undergird and underline this is a time of joy. It's a time of victory. It's not a time of mourning. But thou hast turned my mourning into dancing for me. Thou hast put off my sackcloth. So may the mantle, may the glory descend on each of us. Those watching us on the World Wide Web, may each of you be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We, I would like for you to stand up if you can, wherever you are. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. Remind us by this special holiday of Purim that you are the God of divine reversals. Where people have been hit by the COVID virus, or by any other infirmity, we ask, we welcome the presence of the Lord and we release in the name of Jesus, healing angels, come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Release your victory for us, for our children, and for the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you. For those who have been hit by fear and anxiety, comfort come, triumph come. In Jesus' name, we pray for our neighbors. We pray for all those who need a supernatural turnaround. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Raise both your hands and say, Lord, Thank you for the turnaround. Thank you for the turnaround. We exalt your name. We exalt your name. 
and declare, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Give him a big clap offering. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And we're going to, in a moment, I'm going to ask. Michael has a great song. Anyone who needs prayer, please be ready to come up. We have our prayer warriors to come and stand. And uh, we would do certain things a little slightly different, but we are under some instructions and we want to, as much as possible, be responsive. But we are being wise about this virus. But I'll tell you, we are going to pray. We're going to believe for victory in the name of Jesus. Do you know of anyone who is battling some uh, disease or infirmity or oppression? Just raise your hand. And we'll include, we'll release the angels to touch those. Give us miracles, Lord. This morning, where we need miracles, Lord, I pray, thank you for each person or your neighbor. We're going to be in agreement. Miracles, miracles, miracles. Thank you, Lord. And uh, praise you. Um, if uh, the ones who are helping us pray for the people, will you come up and uh, praise God. <laughs> 